Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Critical race theory is everywhere, and it is being taught to your children. The father of a student here in New York City has revealed startling details about the extent of the indoctrination efforts at his daughter's elite private school. You're going to be shocked at what he had to say. Friends, it's time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. So for those who think that critical race theory is mainly something you come across in colleges, universities, and bad enough that it's there, You've seen recently the degree of infiltration of social justice, wokeness, and the critical race theory behind it all across corporate America from some of the biggest and most powerful companies. And now you're also seeing more and more about how they're trying to brainwash your children into the belief that America is a deeply evil racist place. And the only way to not be a part of that racism is to agree with every statement, every contention of the so-called critical race uh, race theorists, or CRT. Well, in New York City, and this is true in public schools, in many places across the country, in private schools, in the large cities. In New York City, there's a place called the Brearley School. Costs over $50,000 a year. So each year of tuition is like sending your kid to Harvard, pretty much. There's the Brearley School, you see. It's an all-girls school, takes itself quite seriously. I actually knew a number of Brearley students growing up here in New York. Well, one Brearley dad, after I think seven years of paying that $50,000 a year tuition, has said, enough is enough. And here he is, Andrew Gutman on Fox News, just telling everybody about the kind of stuff that was being taught to his daughter at this elite school with a price tag of $50,000 a year. Play it. You know, they had a uh, and a Zoom assembly at the very beginning of the school year where the head of school talked about some of the initiatives that they were going to do and they made it seem like they're going to integrate this racial curriculum, this anti-racism curriculum into everything, every class, into math, into gym, PE. I mean, I, I, you know, it was sort of shocking that they were taking this, you know, to that degree of integrating it into everything. Nothing. Nothing can be safe from CRT teaching, don't you see? This is just like, as the Marxists would want, the full and all-out politicization of everything based upon their orthodoxy. And if you don't comply, if you don't agree, if you don't in fact celebrate what it is that they're trying to brainwash you with, the critical race theorists will claim that your resistance to their indoctrination is in and of itself evidence of your racism. So this is a very straightforward proposition for a lot of school administrators and even a lot of parents at the schools. I don't want my reputation to be ruined, so I'm not actually gonna speak out against this, even though I think we can avoid 
teaching about intersectionality and this make-believe racial hierarchy that critical race theorists believe exists in America, I, I think we can avoid talking about that while we're supposed to be teaching algebra. I, I think that in geography class or Spanish language class, we don't need to necessarily, nope, they disagree. Every opportunity to instill critical race theory into your child's brain is one they will take. And if you try to push back, ah, that's right, you are racist. Here's Andrew Gutman talking more about how he feels like, feels like this is more than just a school issue. This undermines society itself. I mean, we already do a horrific job in this country teaching history, and now we're going to make that 10 times worse. We're going to eradicate that. Our country doesn't survive. I wrote this in the letter. Our country doesn't survive, A, not teaching history and civics, and it sure as hell doesn't survive bringing up our children to hate our own country and our history. We don't survive that. We don't survive that, he says. Now, when you look at how far-reaching this critical race theory teaching has become in our society, and remember, the left will say, what are you talking about? Oh, you're exaggerating. It's not a big deal. Yeah? Remember when wokeness in corporations was something that occasionally would pop up and then it would just fade away. Some would warn that this was going to become the norm because the left, like a virus, seeks to take over the entire host, but no, no. And then, of course, we saw social media and the transformation of social media from being a thing that seemed to strangely suppress only conservative points of view, but it was an accident, to now they say, yeah, we suppress conservatives. We being Facebook and Twitter and Google, we suppress conservatives. What are you going to do about it? Build the new internet? That's their attitude. And now you see this with critical race theory in the schools increasingly. It's right out there in front of you. They may pretend that it's not happening, but you know that it's happening. And this has tremendously damaging implications, not just for our children, but for the future of the country. This is indoctrination for a purpose. This is Marxism built around issues of race. And here is Gutman once again saying that not only are you expected to believe this stuff, but the parents, the parents are being indoctrinated and told that they have to be anti-racists and BLM supporters. And it's more than just a curriculum. You know, they advocated for Black Lives Matter and they want families to advocate for Black Lives Matter. And, and you know, again, you can agree with Black Lives Matter. You can disagree with Black Lives Matter. You can agree with some of what Black Lives Matter stands for. But to say that we want you, we want your daughter from kindergarten through 12th grade, we want your family to be an activist. This is what they're really saying. It is not okay, and this is the anti-racism principle, right, where they say, okay, if you're not anti-racist, you're racist. It, it's more even than that. It's that if you just say silent, you're racist. This has been right out of the actual, I mean, the handbook, the training of these anti-racist activists for a long time. They will describe anti-racism as being on a conveyor belt. And at the one end, the conveyor belt is going toward more systemic racism. So if you're an actual racist, you're running with the help of the systemic racism on the conveyor belt, so you're going even faster. But if you're just living your life and you're a white person, if you're just living your life and you decide that you're going to 
not engage on these issues, you're still on that systemic racism conveyor belt going toward the same place. The only way to avoid this, they will tell you, is to actively run against the conveyor belt of systemic racism. You must comply and join them or else you are part of the problem. Who does that sound like? Go back into history, you'll find some political movements that take that as the party line. And if you're wondering, do they really say that if you disagree with this, you're a racist? Yes. Here's MSNBC just last night, Joy Reid. We've seen a growing movement to reframe how American history is taught in public schools. Well, some parents who are opposed to critical race theory as new curriculum aren't too pleased. Just because I do not want critical race theory taught to my children in school does not mean that I'm a racist, damn it. <laughs> it actually, it does. It's just another example of Republicans turning kids into a wedge issue, just like their politically motivated attacks on transgender youth who just want to play sports. Yeah, boys who just want to play on girls' teams. Same, it's all, it's all the same thing, right? Right, sure. Uh, folks, notice what she said. It does mean you're racist. That's what the left actually thinks. That is the widespread belief. If you disagree with any of this, you must be a racist. If you disagree with the undermining of fundamental American values of equality under the law, you must be a racist. Because you're not down with the anti-racism training. That's what you're told. All right, it's one thing to influence what our kids are learning in school, but of course, that all depends on them actually being there in the first place. When we come back, we'll talk to a California public school teacher with 28 years of experience who's fighting to get kids back in the classroom. Have you ever wanted to invest in real estate, but you didn't have the time to start it on your own? You didn't want to make big rookie mistakes? I felt exactly the same way as you until a little over a year ago. I love the idea of real estate investment, but... I didn't want to get involved in something when I had no idea what I was actually doing, right? Guess what? That's when I met my friends at Done For Your Real Estate. They took all of the guesswork out of it for me. They found me an awesome property. They rented it out for me right away. They managed the tenant for me, and now I get a check every month like clockwork. Don't wait another second to see if my buddies at Done For Your Real Estate can do for you what they did for me. Visit doneforyoubuck.com today to see how it works. Again, every step of the process from picking the city, the house, getting the loan set up, getting a tenant in place, and a management company to handle the whole thing for you, doneforyoubuck.com. That's where you go to see how all that happens. Just go visit that website right now, doneforyoubuck.com, to begin your real estate investment journey. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com 
slash Wondery. Difficult with all the glitches. I definitely prefer it this way. I didn't like virtual. You didn't? No. No. A class of brutally honest fifth graders didn't hold back on telling President Biden just how, quote, terrible virtual learning is. The president's visit to the Virginia classroom comes as new emails show a powerful teachers union influenced the CDC's reopening guidance, which the White House is defending. The CDC, it's actually longstanding best practice uh, for the CDC to engage with organizations and groups that are going to be impacted by guidance and recommendations issued by the agency. Oh yeah, totally normal. I'm sure the CDC meets with a lot of small business organizations to see what their opinions are. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's what they tell us, right? Longstanding practice to prioritize the needs of our children. Is, is that what I, I thought was going on here? Well, Rebecca Friedrichs has been teaching in California public schools for 28 years. She's the founder of For Kids and Country. She joins us now with reaction. Rebecca, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Just can you give us a sense of the scale of this problem right now? I think because we have a Biden administration, there's far less interest in talking about the downsides of many of these COVID policies. But even right now, we have what? About uh, what percentage of kids not back in classrooms fully nationwide? Gosh, I don't know the latest numbers on how many kids are in or out, but I know that parents are frustrated because a lot of kids are still in a hybrid model. They go to school some of the time, they're learning virtually some of the time, a lot of kids are still stuck at home. And it's always the public schools that are run by the teachers unions where people are frustrated because they don't make decisions based on what's right for the children and right for Americans. They make decisions based on politics. and. I, I want to dig into that with you, but the control just told me right now, as of today, sorry to put you on the spot, it's about 30% of kids nationwide not back in schools wow. fully. So yeah, that's wow. the, I got, I got a brain room, a brain trust over there that could always pull these things in real time, which I always appreciate. Well, but but, uh, you know but that, that's a lot of kids. So I just want to understand why aren't 100% of kids fully back in classrooms? You're saying it's the unions. Oh, it's 100% the unions. And even the, okay, let's say 30% are, are still not in. The 70% that are in classrooms, if they're in public school classrooms, they are not getting an outstanding education. There's still some good teachers out there, but the system is so corrupt and the unions have brought in all these horrible anti-American, anti-science curricula propaganda that our students are not getting a great education, whether they're you know in the classroom or, or on virtual. It's 100% the teachers unions and there's special interest groups that are so causing all of these problems. What is right now or most recently, I mean, it doesn't have to be the up to date uh, narrative or propaganda from the teachers unions. What are they saying about why they can't go back in? We, we've had uh, a lot. I mean, here, here's Joe Biden in September of last year. We can react to that. Mr. President, where are you? Where are you? Why aren't you working on this? We need emergency support funding for our schools, and we need it now. Mr. President, that's your job. That's your job. That's what you should be focused on now, getting our kids back to school safely, keeping schools safely able to remain open. Okay. Uh, it's his wow. job now. It's Biden's job. And as I said, you got a lot of schools that are still not open. What's the teachers' union rationalization for this? Well, I mean, I'll just say it. I'll say the truth. The teachers unions lie. 
they say anything they have to say to keep our schools closed because this gives them opportunity to get whatever it is they want, more raises or really what they're trying to do is undermine our free republic. And the best way to keep a free republic is to have a well-educated and moral citizenry that can self-govern. So the unions are actually undermining that very important feature of our free republic. So what we have to remember is it doesn't matter what the unions say or how they say it, they're not being honest with us. Uh, they're manipulating the CDC, they're manipulating Joe Biden. He sounded like a robot there in that clip. At that time, he was saying, uh, you know, President Trump wasn't doing his job when he was doing his job. And now President Biden's doing whatever the teachers unions want. Why is it that my local grocery store has been staffed with people the entirety of the pandemic? The CVS on the corner where I live, those folks, I know them, those, uh, you know, uh, clerks at the counter and, and in the pharmacy, they've been showing up the entirety of the pandemic, but teachers are still holding to this, it's not safe for us thing. I mean, I'm going into an office every day. Why do teachers have a special, it's not safe exemption? Yeah, that's a great question. And I wanna help your audience to understand, it's not teachers, it's teachers unions. The majority of good teachers that I know wanted to get back in the classroom immediately, like after the two week, you know, when we were first only supposed to be out of school for two weeks, they've been wanting to get back so badly. They're so frustrated. They can't teach well in this virtual learning. The kids aren't learning. So real teachers who want the kids to learn, they wanna be in the classroom, but guess what? They don't have a voice because the teachers unions claim to speak for them. The teachers unions have all the power. The teachers unions are controlling politicians all over this country from local school board levels all the way up to the to the White House. And so these real teachers don't have a voice. So here, I'm being their voice right now. It's not teachers, they wanna be in the classroom. It's teachers unions. Let's put our sights on them. Let's try to get them out of our schools. Senator Ted Cruz shared this on Twitter. The teachers union bosses are running the show at the CDC. It's time for Joe Biden, CDC Director Walensky to stop putting union bosses before our kids. If the status quo continues, America's students will only fall further behind. Can you give us a sense of what it means, especially for a lot of kids from low-income backgrounds, low-income households, to have been out of school in some cases now for well over a year, missing an entire school year and really a school year and a semester? What's that gonna mean for their development? I'm telling you, it's, it's a tragedy. I taught my entire career in a low-income school district. We had 42 languages on our campus. Those kids are my students, the kind of kids that I taught my whole career. These children need support. Their families need some support. These are hardworking families who want their children to learn, who want their children to have the American dream and have a chance in life. A lot of these, uh, the parents are struggling with speaking English. These kids need to be in classroom. How's this gonna impact them? This could destroy their futures. This could keep them from learning how to read. This could keep them from learning the things they need to start a small business or to enter the workforce. What's going on is immoral. We have all kinds of, of um, things that people can take to help them if they get the COVID. We know that children are not carriers. We know that children aren't in severe damage from COVID. This is a, just a political nightmare and they're using our children as pawns. It's truly immoral and it's time that it stopped. Rebecca Friedrichs, thanks so much for joining us. Good to see you. Thank you, you too. Facebook, uh, Facebook is upholding its ban on former President Trump claiming he violated its rules by encouraging and legitimizing violence. First TV contributor Rob Smith joins me to discuss the social network's decision after the break. 
Hey, I've warned you about home title theft. That's where cyber thieves remove you from your home's title and become the owner. I said, you better get home title lock because the big one is coming. Well, if you're on Facebook, the big one, the breach, it's already here. Facebook had 500 million accounts exposed to cyber thieves. And according to a retired FBI cybercrime expert, everything thieves need to take over as a new owner of your home was leaked. Name, address, personal information, it's out. The thief forges your signature on a quitclaim deed stating you sold your home to him. He'll leave you in debt or even have you evicted. Do what I did. Protect your home with Home Title Lock. Just go to the website, hometitlelock.com, register your address to see if you're already a victim. Then sign up for 30 free days of protection during this particularly high-risk breach period. Again, just go to hometitlelock.com, use promo code RADIO, that's HomeTitleLock.com, promo code RADIO. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Big tech giants like Twitter, Google, and Facebook should be punished with major sanctions whenever they silence conservative voices. President Trump during his CPAC speech a couple months ago, foreshadowing much? Well, Earlier today, Facebook's oversight board upheld the social media platform's ban on Trump, tweeting, Trump's post during the Capitol riot severely violated Facebook's rules and encouraged and legitimized violence. But let's not forget what Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg had to say two years ago about big tech interfering with free speech. Watch. My belief is that in a democracy, I don't think that we want private companies censoring politicians in the news. I, I generally believe that as a principle, uh, people should decide what is credible and what they want to believe and who they want to vote for. Um, and you, I, I don't think that that should be something that we want tech companies or any kind of other company doing. Join me now to discuss Rob Smith, contributor at The First and host of Rob Smith is Problematic. Rob, good to see you. Good to see you, Buck. I got to say, this whole uh, Zuckerberg uh, soundbite we played for you I don't think he means it. I, I, I know that Facebook deferred today and a, an all-time permanent decision is still waiting to be, to be had here. But, I mean, this is, we've got a former president being censored, Rob. What do you make of it? Well, it's really interesting with this whole situation right now is because this Facebook oversight board, so Facebook deferred it to the oversight board, and then the oversight board basically deferred it to Facebook, and they're saying, look, you guys have to make a decision about this, and it has to be something um, that you are dictating that is on the same standards that you hold everybody else to. Um, do I think that they're being fair with the president? No. Do I think they have too much power? Yes. And I think that there's a, a something else going on here. First of all, these tech companies are still relitigating the 2016 election. They still, to this day, um, do not like the turnout of the 2016 election that went for Trump. And one of the main reasons it went for Trump is because that team was so good at using these social media networks, so good at using Facebook, um, so good at, at using Twitter, um, that they were able to 
basically subvert the mainstream media and take their message directly to the people. Now, this is something that they're trying to stop from ever happening again. Thus, what we're seeing right now. And another thing, too, that a lot of people aren't realizing that um, President, President Trump's Facebook presence it's not just him saying stuff. You know, the, the stuff on Twitter definitely drove the news cycles and, and it, you know, it drove the lefties crazy, which we all appreciated. But on Facebook, this is a fundamental and formidable fundraising operation um, that helps fundraise for not only President Trump, uh, but for Republicans and pretty much a, a lot of people down the ticket. And that's another thing that they're afraid of as well. And so all of the people that they're saying that they don't want Trump on Facebook, they're saying that they don't want him on all these social medias. Um, I, I think that ultimately a lot of the media people do because they still cannot quit him even at this point, Buck. I turn on a CNN sometimes so you guys don't have to, and he is still all they talk about. It's amazing, isn't it? It's as though he's the shadow presidency or something. Like he's still running everything. Anything that goes wrong, they can blame on Trump still. But you know, you, you touch on a, a really important point here, and I'm trying to get the word uh, out about this more to folks because there are a lot of Trump voters from the last election who are saying, oh, whatever, Trump's got a plan, Trump 2024. And on this issue of social media, I, I hate to be the one to have to say it, but if Trump and the possible Trump campaign in 2024 don't have access to Twitter or Facebook, you point out the fundraising, they have, with the, arch with the architecture right now of the internet and the way fundraising is done, four years is a lot of time. But if the election were held in six months and Trump had no access to Facebook or Twitter or any of the other platforms, the chance of him actually winning the election is basically zero. And that's what I think everyone needs to understand. Won't be able to raise the money, won't be able to reach constituencies the same way. It is an enormous advantage for Joe Biden or whomever to be able to use those platforms against somebody who's banned. It absolutely is. And look, you know, I voted for Trump <clears throat> and I don't want to make anybody mad right now. But I'd have to I have to remind everybody that in 2016, um, House, Senate, presidency, and there was nothing that was ever done when he had the the uh, the bully pulpit of the presidency um, to really take on these social media networks. So look, I, what, what I love, I'm a proud Floridian right now. I've been in Florida for about the past year. And I love Ron DeSantis playing offense against these tech companies, offense against these social media companies. Any Republican moving forward, has to realize um, that these companies want control because this is the way that they control the, uh, the uh, conversation. And this is a way, like you said, um, that they stop Republicans from being able to control their own message and to fundraise. The Republicans, the next time you get the power, you're going to have to use it. Because say what you want about the Democrats, and we both say a lot about them, but when they get power, they wield it. They go and they for it. use it to their advantage to do what they want to get done. And Republicans do not do that. So let this be a lesson to Republicans. When you have the power, use it and take on these social media companies. I agree with you, Rob. I will say there's one Republican who breaks from that generally accurate analysis, or at least is breaking from it these days. And that is your home state governor, Ron DeSantis, who is doing some stuff with the power that he has. He is the, the exception to the rule. And here he is talking about this issue of social media in his state of Florida. This is not just purely a Republican thing. I think that there's people who aren't necessarily Republicans who see the danger of going down a road in which the discourse in our country is controlled by oligarchs in Silicon Valley. Deplatforming bill is what he's talking about here, where if you kick somebody off your platform in the state of Florida uh, because of their politics, you are violating the law. 
What do you think, Rob? Um, I think he's absolutely right. Look, I can't say enough good about Ron DeSantis. And I also have to bring up a, a friend of mine named Anna Paulina Luna, who's uh, actually running for Congress. She ran for Congress in St. Petersburg last year. She's actually suing Twitter um, and suing one of these big tech platforms because they have still not verified her. Twitter is supposed to verify um, candidates for Congress. It does that all the time on the left. It is only Republican candidates for Congress that have issues getting verified by Twitter. So yes, there is a lot of bias that is going on uh, with these big tech platforms. And a lot of these Republican elected officials need to be more like Ron DeSantis um, and, and play offense against these people. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, of course, always dissembling, always dishonest. Here she is with just Facebook, whatever. Facebook's no big deal. I'm not a big fan of Facebook. They have had a business model uh, that is a, a business model built on making money on misrepresentations. It's amazing, isn't it? They, they want to play the Facebook is the purveyor of fake news game still while they get huge advantage from Facebook, while the donations from Facebook employees pile in. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And you know what? Uh, you, people like Nancy Pelosi, it's almost like they, they really disrespect the intelligence of, of their constituents, first of all. Um, but it, it, it's all such a joke. Everybody knows that the big tech platforms and the big tech oligarchs are very much in bed with the Democrats, but they have to pretend that they're not because the people on the left and Nancy Pelosi and all that stuff, they always need an enemy. They like to pretend that big tech is their enemy, but big tech is their friend. They're all in bed together. Everybody knows it. I've been saying this for, for the past three years that I've been doing this. Uh, it's time to break up big tech. Absolutely. Well, it's really past time. I mean, now it's it's yes. the 11th hour. It's it's getting late in the game here. We should have broken it up a long time ago, as you pointed out. But Rob Smith, my man, always good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, bud. President Joe Biden is promising nobody who makes under $400,000 will pay a dime in new taxes under his new tax plan. But with trillions in planned spending, is that a promise he's actually going to keep? Congressman Kevin Brady of Texas is going to join us to dig into the numbers when we come back. The reason I'm bothering to do this is I keep hearing on the press, Biden's going to raise your taxes. Anybody making less than $400,000 a year will not pay a single penny in taxes. And we will not increase the deficit either, unlike the last gigantic tax cut, which increased the deficit by $2 trillion. President Joe Biden repeating his pledge to not raise taxes on those making less than $400,000 per year. With close to $6 trillion in spending plan between several initiatives, I'm a little skeptical of that claim. How does he actually plan on paying for all of this? Well, I mean, higher taxes, that's definitely true. Among other things, Biden is proposing raising the capital gains tax on those earning over $1 million a year by nearly double. He'll raise the top tax rate to just under 40% and he'll allocate additional resources to the IRS. Ouch! Yeah, that's right. To enhance tax audits of households with more than $400,000 of income. On its face, none of that would appear to affect anyone making less than $400,000, as Biden has promised. But will the pain be limited to the top 1% as advertised? Our next guest doesn't think so. Congressman Kevin Brady of Texas joins us to make sense of this all right now. Congressman, thanks so much. Good to see you. Oh, good to see you. Thanks for having me. So he's saying no one le making less than 400000 is going to be touched by any of this. Oh, Biden, the populist. What's the truth of this? 
Yeah, the truth is a lot of families make less than 400,000 are gonna pay a pretty steep price for these tax increases. So at the joint address, I counted six and a half million US jobs that will be lost because of President Biden's tax increases. Look, there's no question he inherited a strong economic recovery and inherited uh, life-saving vaccines, but these are crippling tax increases. I think will sabotage our jobs recovery and ultimately it's gonna land on working families and on communities when they see their companies and jobs moving overseas. Congressman, one important part of, of our focus here right after the speech was looking at, well, what can he, Biden, the Biden White House and the Democrats definitely do with the numbers they have? Right? Putting aside things like the elimination of the filibuster and the all-out steamrolling of the Republican, uh, Republican side in Congress, the tax changes, for example, if Biden wants to do this, is there really anything to stop him from doing this? And of course, with the Democrat so, Party going along. Yeah, great question. So um, the infrastructure spending, very little of which is on infrastructure, can't go to that reconciliation process where you basically avoid the filibuster in the Senate. But the tax provisions can. But I will tell you, I don't think this is a done deal by any measure. I know the White House uh, is telling everyone it is, but there is only a three vote margin uh, in the House among Democrats, a very tight margin in the Senate. I'll tell you more and more of our, of who call themselves moderate Democrats are starting to understand there is, there are real job losses in their communities as a result of these tax increases. And the truth of the matter is, we don't need these increases to pay for real infrastructure. So this is gonna be a big battle really over the economic future of the country. And at the end of the day, by the way, if you count all infrastructure and the economic impact from that over the long term, uh, these tax increases negate all of that and more. So in effect, while the president talked jobs, America's a net loser in this. Congressman, is there enough based on, I mean, the, the, the actual math that would be at play, is there enough to pay for all the trillions of dollars of spending that Biden no. has said he wants the government to? Putting aside, as, as you point out, whether they can actually get through the infrastructure spending with their current slim majorities, is there enough in the tax raises to pay for the spending that they would want to get through? The short answer is no. Look, uh, even these uh, business tax rates, are far five times larger than the uh, corporate tax cuts that we created. Um, in this proposal, uh, there's a huge budget gimmick. Uh, he says it won't raise the deficit a dime, but he only has eight years of spending, but 15 years of tax increases. In Washington, we all know what that means. Uh, when the spending finishes in eight years, they will re-up it. So of course this is gonna to add to the deficit. And the truth of the matter is I've never seen, I don't think the country's ever seen $6 trillion of new government spending announced over just a few weeks. It is, uh, at the end of the day, it's gonna have a big impact. I also wanna ask you, Congressman, while we got you here, uh, there's been some back and forth between members of the GOP, some, some friendly fire, if you will, uh, involving uh, Liz Cheney, and here is uh, Nancy Pelosi speaking on this issue. I do commend Lynn Cheney for her courage, 
for her patriotism. And uh, I wish her well. Uh, perhaps this challenge will make her stronger. I don't know. That's up to their caucus. I don't uh, welcome their participation in our caucus, and I'm sure they don't welcome my participation uh, in theirs. Just a quick note for everybody. Nancy Pelosi's vaccinated. She's outside. She's by herself. She's wearing a mask. Just, I'm not letting that go, folks. I just want everyone to pay attention to how Looney Tunes these Democrats really are. But Congressman, I mean, what's what's going on? When you got the Speaker of the House, who's a Democrat, and not just any Democrat, but Nancy Pelosi, giving a pat on the back to Liz Cheney on the Republican side, people are asking questions. What the heck is going on here? We want a united Republican Party. What has to happen? Yeah, so I think we are one. You know, considering the Speaker had to import uh, COVID-positive members of her conference into the House chamber to cobble together a majority, and that she spends her time uh, removing Republicans from committees while keeping Democrats who are anti-Semitic conspiracy theorists and others who are having affairs with Chinese spies. She's not really the most credible on these issues, honestly. Here's what I think the the issue is. One, uh, Liz Cheney's uh, a fierce conservative on lower taxes, strong defense, pro-life issues. People admire her for that. While our House Republicans disagree strongly with the vote on impeachment. We also understand this was a vote of conscience for her and 10 others. Here's the challenge right now. We are unified on stopping the socialist agenda, including these tax increases. Our messaging, though, uh, keeps getting caught up in this feud between uh, Chairman Cheney uh, and President Trump. Uh, it has been tough, I think, for our conference to be able to, to focus on the policy issues and message we want to. I don't know if there'll be a vote on this uh, in the next weeks or not. I don't really know where the conference is on this. Um, I just think we need to be unified on policy, on politics, and on our messaging. And right now, you know, we, we need to do a little work. Yeah. We, we don't want anyone with the, G, with the GOP symbol uh, doing the work of Chief Commissar Pelosi. That's for sure. So anyway... That's yeah, true. and we're the good news is no, no one is. But uh, look, we are well, the the whole the thing that's being missed here is that we are incredibly unified on stopping this socialist agenda. We are going to take back the house in a year and eight months and stop this nonsense. We're going to hold you to it, Congressman. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks Thank for joining you, sir. us. Take care. While mayors around the country are buckling uh, to calls to defund the police, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is doing the exact opposite. We got that story and more in Quick Hits coming up. We're living in very uncertain times and being prepared for the unknown is more important than ever. I'm sure you've noticed the world we live in today is anything but predictable. You got the government passing massive spending bills. The Federal Reserve is printing trillions of dollars in fiat currency. And many experts are predicting inflation could run rampant in the coming months. That could spell disaster for the dollars in your bank account. We can all benefit from something a little more reliable right about now. Well, what could be more reliable than real gold and silver? I'm talking about real gold and silver that you can actually hold right in your hands. Call the Oxford Gold Group now and learn how easy it is to get real gold and silver sent securely directly to your home or how you can have real gold and silver placed in your IRA or 401k. Just call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-600-GOLD and ask for your free guide on owning gold and silver. Again, call the Oxford Gold Group right now at 833-600-GOLD. 
The Oxford Gold Group is the only gold company I trust. Call them right now at 833-600-GOLD. One more time, that's 833-600-G-O-L-D. Governor Ron DeSantis once again showing everyone how it's done and New York City schools canceling Columbus Day. Those stories in quick hits. Let's get to it. I hate to be too positive about a politician because they always let us down. They always disappoint me, all right? Even with all the great things Trump did, I still have a little list of things that I wanted to get done, you know, the wall, and there were some things that didn't happen. As much as I think the presidency uh, overall for Trump, I give it an A, A minus. But there was some stuff left to do. With Governor Ron DeSantis, I'm trying to maintain some degree of skepticism because every day this guy seems to do something that I say, that's a good idea. I like that idea. That makes sense. I should move to Florida. Here he is with yet another one. Instead of defund the police, he's talking about refund the police. I asked the legislature in this legislative session, we need to do bonuses uh, for law enforcement. Someone defund... Some want to defund the police. We're funding the police and then some. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're just going to have to start making whole new cities in Florida. They have to clear out the Everglades and start making, you know, tracts uh, of land available for more housing with all the people that are going to move there just because having somebody in charge who lives in reality, who wants to make things better for everyone in his state and understands how to do that, it's such a breath of fresh air. Instead of somebody who's just running around screaming about transgender rights, racial justice, and how the rich don't pay enough in taxes. For a lot of other people, uh, that, that's not cutting it. That's not cutting it. But none, nonetheless, here, here we are. Here's the situation we're in. Ron DeSantis uh, still showing us that good governance is possible in America today for a governor. There's some others who are doing a decent job, too. But nobody has been able to hold the line against the insanity of lockdownerism and show the kind of results in a large state, a very diverse state, politically speaking, it's very close to being a 50-50 split, um, and a diverse state in every sense in Florida, and he's doing such a good job. And I, I know one day I'm gonna have to come on this show and say, Governor Ron, Ron D, you've, uh, you've disappointed me on something, but it hasn't happened yet, so I'm still waiting for it. Uh, New York City, speaking of left-wing craziness, which I guess we, we do every day on the show. Uh, they're getting rid of a couple of holidays, adding some more holidays. One of them I'm totally fine with. The other one I think is, you know, anyway, here you go. They're, they're doing, they're switching out Columbus Day for Indigenous Day and adding Juneteenth as a holiday. Adding Juneteenth, fine. No problem with that. Makes sense to me. You want to add that holiday? Great. Want to add Indigenous Day? Great. Fine. Why replace Columbus Day, which is about the exploration of the new world and the connecting of the globe that led us into the modern era, why replace that with Indigenous Peoples Day? If you want to have an Indigenous Peoples Day celebration, go for it. Pick a day. Fine. Right? And Juneteenth, I get it. Good day to celebrate. Fine. But why cover up Columbus Day? Why? Oh, because he wasn't a good enough guy based on our standards of today? What he did was really, you know, had a lot of impact. I mean, you know, where was Isaac Newton on transgender rights? I don't know. Do you know? But still did some pretty important stuff that I think we can look at with some reverence to this day. I'm just putting that out there. 
You know, what was Galileo's take on, you know, what, what his pronoun should be? I don't know, but he did some pretty important stuff when it came to understanding our actual place in the universe. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think you do. I told you before, you had Nancy Pelosi outside, if you watched our previous segment, or one of our previous segments, Nancy Pelosi outside with a mask on, in the fresh air, even though she's vaccinated. Why? You know, because masking is what the smart people, it's what the smart people do. Um, some people even kiss through the mask. Here is Kamala Harris kissing her husband with a mask on. I mean, look, it's, I know, this is where the lips would say, it's not a big deal. It's just, you know, they just were, uh, yes, but, but can, if we're going to get back to a normal world, she's vaccinated, he's vaccinated, can they just kiss like normal people? You know, there were, this is a real thing. There have been experts in Canada for sure, I know about this. I think there were some in Europe too. They wrote news stories about how they wanted people to mask up during um, uh, relations. This is, lockdownerism is an anxiety disorder. And that's what you have to see. That's what you have to understand. When you put it into that context, then all this stuff makes sense. When you see that the most nerve-wracked, the most anxious, the, the most easily agitated by minimal risk in our society are the ones we've all been catering to here with this, oh my gosh, you know, double mask outside, then everything makes sense. You might have heard about this because I believe we talked about it earlier in the week on the show. The D.C. Mayor Bowser uh, has an order in place to allow wedding venues to open to a certain capacity. I forget what it is. I think up to 150 or up to 200 people. So pretty substantial. But no dancing. They're serious about that. This is the, our nation's capital. And at weddings, they plan to, by law, ban dancing or standing close to each other. D.C. Mayor was asked about this. Listen to what she has to say. An alternate headline may be, now you can host a wedding uh, in Washington, D.C., a regional meeting. Uh, you can have uh, your friends and family for a family reunion and birthday parties at our hotels and restaurants. And just like our restaurant guidelines suggest, is that you have to be uh, seated to uh, enjoy the restaurant. Mm -hmm. Can't stand in a restaurant. Can't dance at a wedding. These are our bureaucratic CDC-enabled overlords now. Have you had enough of their arbitrary stupidity, America? Been telling you about it every day now for over a year. Have we, have we seen enough? They're not saving us from this thing, that's for sure. They're never going to admit they were wrong, though. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields High. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.